This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that every Christian should be a constant and devoted reader of the Bible, and that the primary business of the church and its ministry is to lead, foster, and encourage people in this life-changing habit. Okay, so we're going to jump into the book of Acts again. We are reading uh, chapters, uh, I believe it was 1 through 7, and... I think this is episode 105. Uh, Lenny's here, uh, Dave Lamana, Mike McHugh, myself, and we are down Ben and we're down Johnny. So uh, so this should be a, an interesting conversation. So um, let's jump right in. Anything stand out to you guys as we've been reading this? Well, it didn't stand out until I drove back from Florida. I don't know if you guys know. I didn't. We didn't fly, which is my way of traveling, but we decided to drive. My daughter wanted to drive, so we took two cars. And how that relates here is when you get to the South, if you've driven through the South, and I don't know where the Bible Belt is, but you start to see billboards. Yeah, lots of them. And being a Christian and reading the Bible with you you gentlemen every week and on my my own every day, I, I, I enjoyed seeing them. And the one that stands out, because I'm looking at, if we, if we want to get a frame of reference here, Acts 2, verse 38. Everybody's asking, you know, what, asking the apostles, Peter's word pierced their hearts after he talked to them and said, just above this, it says, brothers, what should we do in verse 37? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Well, how this relates is because I, I wasn't thinking of this verse until I got back and I had it highlighted and I see one word, repent. Well, they have a number of billboards as you drive from Georgia up through the Carolinas and all that's on the billboard. And you know, a billboard is, is you know, 48 feet wide, 14 feet, uh, uh, 48 feet long and, and 14 feet wide. So picture a billboard and it just says repent on it. Hmm. Repent. That's all it said. There were others that said different things, but a number of them, you'd be driving and said, repent, repent. And I kept thinking of that. So my son said to me as we're, we're driving, and he goes, well, Daddy said, you know, he could be some kind of a cynic too here. So he says, uh, I'm trying to get him along here. He says, well, well, repent. How, how, could, I, how could I repent? I didn't even pent yet. And he yeah. goes, repent. I go, it's all right. So I said, well, I go, pent. Why don't you look, look that up then and see what that means? I says, they're asking you to repent. And then anyway, we went on. But uh, this made me think of that and how important it is that somebody would use money, their resources, and we've talked about resources in here, people giving up their resources uh, to the apostles, they're using the resources to spend on a billboard. And I know what a billboard costs because I've used them. And, and it, those things were there when I last went to Florida, which was many, many years ago. Repent, repent. Mm. And so people see, see there's people, I guess my point is there's people that feel it's important enough to let anybody driving that route to see that word, that one word, repent and here it is peter said when people ask him brothers what should we do you know, what should we do now they're they're all well what, what, what should we do peter says each of you must repent repent what, so what does that mean 
What does that mean to us? Well, okay, you know, repent of your sins, Peter goes on, and, and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There it is. Repent means to turn away from, to walk away from, to get away from, to go away from, however you want to interpret the re, which is a, a Latin uh, a, a Latin prefix to go away from. So it's very, it's very important. Somebody thinks repenting is very important. Obviously, it's Jesus Christ and God, but there's also somebody else to put those billboards up, and they just kept pounding it. You know, if you're driving by, and I'm dr doing a lot of the driving, I'm, and they're just repent, repent in, in huge letters. So each of you must repent. How many of us take that seriously? Anybody that's listening, anybody that is calls themselves a Christian, a believer, a follower, which they were called here in Acts, and actually repents. Mm. I'll stop. So, so did, did you figure out what, uh, what Pent meant? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no we, we didn't get to that, but I got to do that yeah, for well, my son. Yeah, do you know? Tell well, me. Well, I'm digging into the etymology just a little bit yeah. um, as, you're, as you're talking here, and um, it's, uh, it, it's derivative of uh, certainly some, some Latin words in here. Um, but, uh, let's see, this is to, to be grieved over one's past and seek forgiveness, feel such regret for sins, crimes, or omissions as produces amendment of life from old French repentir from re here perhaps means an intensive prefix very much and, uh, vulgar Latin penitere to regret from Latin, uh, poentire make sorry. And, but then any, anyhow, the part that I want to get to is this distinction. It says the distinction between regret and repent is made modern in many languages, but it's absent in older periods. But to regret, to repent is to regret so deeply as to change the mind or course of conduct in consequence and develop new mental and spiritual habits. And so I just thought that was interesting, like the distinction of regret and repent right yeah. there, you know. I, I like that, to change the course of conduct. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when people ask, okay, well, what does repent mean? Yeah, to change the course of your conduct, to, to, to go away from what you, you were doing, what you used to do, uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and have a new course of life, right. a new course of action, if, if you will. And that message doesn't change. Like you said that years ago you would yeah. drive to Florida and you would see those same similar billboards. If not, yeah, that they might've been the same, but that message does not change. It's, it's, yeah. and we need to re and an, even for those who are following Jesus closely, we still have to, you know, die to ourselves every single day. We have to crucify our flesh and make sure that we're like dying to ourselves over and over and over again. So it, it the message doesn't change whether you hold uh, Jesus near and dear to your heart or, um, you haven't decided to take that step, you know, and follow Jesus. Yeah. You know, you know what I find, I don't know if I find it interesting, but it's, it's odd, if you will. You guys challenge me on this if you've seen it, but at some point, as soon as we get to a certain line in the country, those billboards stopped. Mm. They were... Uh, it, wow. Repent, repent, repent. It says, to, you know, it, your last breath of life could happen at any time. There was one like that. And the rest of them are saying, sin, sin, sin. <laughs> it's like, yeah. but, but when you got to a certain point, all of a sudden, like a they, they stop. So why, why is that? Because, oh, the South is the Bible Belt or the Middle is the Bible Belt. What, what mindset? Again, going back to what I said about somebody thinks it's important enough to pay for a billboard and to keep it up all that time, and yet 
when you get to a certain part of the country as, as you're driving linearly, it ends. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you don't get that message then. You, as you said, it's important, but that message is not there. Not on billboards and not as prominent as is in the South. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd piggyback even what, what Judah said, that it's sin, 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 sin. That's what ends up uh, turning into, like, as you keep driving down further south, it starts to talk about the amusement parks, starts to talk about, like, all the other swamps that you can do tours of, right? Like, it's not, it doesn't continue. The message doesn't continue as you go further down south. Well, well, I, I, found, that it, I found it encouraging, too. To, to, I know I'm staying on this, but I found it encouraging because I know what's going on. I try to stay abreast of what is going on in our country. As most of you know, as you get to know me, that you know I'm an activist and politically oriented, and it was encouraging to see those billboards. To me, anyway, I, I actually got a lift from that as, I, as I'm driving. I felt good because they were very positive and, and Christian-based, Bible-based, and knowing what's going on in our country, as I started to say, meaning we're turning to a secular country where they're trying to, they, they, the, uh, <laughs> a certain side is trying to uh, eliminate God in our life, eliminate faith, eliminate the church, eliminate, they're trying to minimize it and then eliminate it. And so I thought, okay, this is very encouraging. Yeah. A little side note here. What day was this that Peter's saying this? What day was this? Okay, you got me. Uh, I could ask you two questions. I could even ask you specifically. Yeah, yeah. What, what day of the week was it even? It was Sunday because it was Pentecost, which we just celebrated Pentecost, but we didn't really celebrate it. We kind of ignore it as we tend to do, but it was this past Sunday was Pentecost. So um, it's just interesting because that was the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out um, to the believers in the upper room. And... So 40 days after the resurrection, which it's interesting thinking about, like, I mean, we all remember how far back Easter was, right? Like Easter mm -hmm. this year, not that long ago. Yeah. And, and so now this past Sunday was, was Pentecost, which Pentecost lands on Sunday, uh, 40 days um, after uh, Easter. And um, now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's preaching. And I just want to back up two verses because it's like we know where Peter was, obviously, a month and a half before, right? Because a month and a half before, he's like denying Jesus. He's slashing off ears. He's like telling Jesus not to go to Jerusalem and Jesus is saying, Satan, get behind me. I mean, there's like, there's like a lot going on there. And then here we know he, the Holy Spirit's poured out. They come out. Peter starts preaching. This is at the end of his sermon. But the last line of his sermon, before we get to what Dave said, verse 36, I just love the boldness uh, or, or the ballsiness that now he's got that he didn't have before. It says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Like, that is a pretty definitive statement on Peter's part. Like he, like there's no more wishy-washy. There's no more, I don't know who you're talking about. There's no more, I'm fearing for my life. I mean, there's 3,000 people, actually more than 3,000 people, 3,000 got converted. Mm -hmm. Thousands of people listen. He's at, and then verse 37, it's just great. It's like every preacher's dream. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And then here, verse 38, 
is what you just read. Each must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, and then you'll receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, and I don't know. I just I just think it's um, it's interesting. I, I love transformation stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And we see the transformation that Peter has gone through from being, like I said, cowardly, um, very brash, very uh, just kind of impulsive. To now, he's there preaching, and he's like, let me be clear. You killed him. Like, I mean, some of you people literally were in the crowd yelling, crucify him a month and a half ago. But he'll forgive you if you turn from your ways. You know, turn around. I mean, and again, it's like you put yourself in that situation, even in that crowd, right? I mean, with the thousands of people there, like I said, it stands to reason that some of them had probably seen the triumphal entry. They'd seen Jesus come in on the donkey, yelling Hosanna. A day or two later, there are similar people out there saying, crucify him. Some of them probably walk by on the day that he's crucified, see him hanging on the cross, being like, well, that's the end of an era. And then some of them hear the resur- about the resurrection. Some of them may have seen him. Some of them maybe heard of it. Maybe some of them doubted it. And then there's like a month and a half of kind of like quiet. And it's like, well, this must be all over if they're not in the inner circle where they see the ascension and then obviously the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But now at that moment, that's when the early church was catalyzed, right? Like that was the, the, the beginning of the expansion of the early church it was in that moment when Peter stands up and says, hey, you guys jacked this thing up. But guess what? There's forgiveness. Turn from your ways and follow Jesus. So repent. Yeah, repent. Now when it says repent and be baptized, uh, does that mean being baptized in the Holy Spirit or is somebody actually repent and he's saying go and be baptized? Um, some of uh, physical baptism, you know, being baptized in water. What gives somebody like to, to baptize, like, you know, um, what gives somebody the ability to baptize? Well, you have to be in the water. But I could, <laughs> but I couldn't just go baptize somebody. Why not? Sure you could. Oh, I could? Yeah. Why not? I I didn't know that. I, well, that, that's actually my question. Yeah. Like, who has the authority, I guess, to to baptize? We all do. If if in, in challenge me and Jude or Lenny could challenge me on this, but Jesus sent us all out ultimately by by sending us. He says everybody needs to be ministering to other people. That's what we're doing here. Our 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 responsibility is to take this word and spread it. So we say every after every session, we pray, help us to go out and spread this word. We should be doing that. Uh, we should be spreading the word. And if it means that somebody wants to be converted and it's just you and them on an island and there's water around you, which I trust there is in an island, mm-hmm. so <laughs> you would uh, be able to baptize them. Yeah. There was a really nice scene um, in the movie, is it Revolution? Jesus Revolution? Oh, yeah. um, at the end where... One of the main characters was just sitting on the kind of like edge of a cliff where they were baptizing many people. And he was there by himself, just like praying and seeking God. And a pastor came up to him and they were able to reconcile and, you know, uh, fix their relationship a little bit, you know, rather quickly. Uh, He kind of like this pastor exhorted him, just like kind of believed in him and was just like, you have a calling over your life. And then like minutes later, there's a bunch of kids that drove from like Texas, right? And a long ways to where they were at because they kept hearing about people getting baptized here. They wanted to see if it was true, what was going on. And they were like, well, 
we didn't know if there was baptized, uh, baptisms uh, being held right now. He's like, you, what about right now? Like the young kid was like, we can do it right now. And it was like, sun was coming down, sun was setting, and he's just in there baptizing people that just visited from Texas. And he wasn't like ordained publicly. He wasn't, uh, he didn't go to school. It was just on kind of like experienced. He, he had been going through a lot of different things in his life. He kept seeking, he kept cling, clinging closer to Jesus as he kept seeing that things were kind of like falling like uh, all around him. Um, and the pastor, what, I, what was really cool is the pastor was like up on the hill watching these baptisms like happen. And then he just kind of like mid, mid, way through the baptism, he just kind of just like walked away. I guess I'm saying all this to say is that in that moment, because someone believed in, in that kid, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he, he like exhorted him to like, you, you do have a calling over your life. You can do big things. And then there was like an opportunity where he can do something to like, sow into the kingdom of God. Right? So it, I, I guess question is, is if there is an opportunity to do something, to like sow into the kingdom of God, will we take it? Yeah. Even if it's that. Yeah, and remember this, Mike and everybody else, we're talking about Peter. Judah just made an allusion or a reference back to what Peter was or how he had acted with Jesus. But let's go back even further than that. He was, the, he was the fisherman, right? Where, Thank you. Where, Peter and, where and all the apostles, on, ca yeah. Cast the net on the other side, yeah. right? He's... Peter and all the apostles were fishermen, most of them, tax collectors. They were, my point is exactly, they were ordinary people like us, just ordinary people. But now they're baptizing. I mean, a lot of things happened in between. Yeah, yeah I, did, I didn't know if, uh, you know, Jesus, say, gave him the authority to baptize or was like, you know, Peter, you have the ability now because of, you know, being under my, you know, to, to go baptize now, but it was, uh, but yeah, no, you're, yeah, he was, he was just an ordinary person. Yeah, you could take, and while he, I'm not saying John the Baptist was an ordinary person, you could take him for an example. Before Jesus, I mean, he was a contemporary of Jesus, but he was baptizing people in with water, and Jesus said, of course, you know, he, he would baptize in the Spirit, but he allowed John to baptize him. So John the Baptist, who was an ordinary person, although, you know, when you looked at him, maybe he probably didn't seem ordinary, and he certainly is one of the larger figures uh, in the Bible, he baptized. He baptized out there in the Jordan River, out in the woods. Yeah. So, any, again, the point is, yeah, he baptized Jesus. Any of us could do that. And as Lenny said, with the example he gave, if the occasion rose, would we be set to do that? Would we be ready to do that? Are we ready to spread to us? Somebody wants to be baptized. They came to you, and you know you were maybe uh, you know you were in a situation where it would look like the the end for you. And somebody comes up, Mike, could you could you baptize me, please? You know, I've, I've never you know accepted Jesus Christ, but I want to do it right now. I want to repent, and I want to. And there's water there. Yeah, let's do it. Well, you know, I mean, I, let's let's jump into. Uh, the last chapter, Matthew, the last verses of the last chapter, which is the Great Commission, right? Mm -hmm. there you go. Yep. And it says, Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, for question number one is, who is this written to, the Great Commission? Who is it for? Everyone. All of us who follow Jesus. Everybody who okay. follows Jesus, yeah. So, so I'm just going to, like, like, poke something a little bit. So then, who has the authority to baptize? People that follow Jesus. Yeah. So then, also... If our commission is to make disciples and go baptize, maybe if we're not baptizing people, we're actually not doing the Great Commission. So we I would agree with that. So maybe we need to start baptizing. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you, you, you talk to somebody, hey, let's go get baptized right, right now. Or, I mean, or at least encouraging them to, right. if, if, if they you know, approached you and asked, like, you know, Johnny gets a lot of people approaching my, I run into people and I, my, you know, I try to, I, I do invite them to church, try to get people to come to thrive and, and say, Hey, you want to get baptized? Yeah. If somebody never asked me, but I, I, you know, that's a good point, Jude. I, I have to keep that on my mind. Like, are we more. doing, are we doing baptisms uh, on a regular a basis? Right out, a little pond right out in the back of your house, you know, I mean, <laughs> open it up for business, Dave. <laughs> Well, Judah, who knows? Maybe one day I, you guys are up. You know, we have the pastor and the, the associate pastor up there. And, you know, we have a revival meeting there, you know, with food and everything. And we see who wants to get baptized. Yeah. 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 yeah are we holding uh, baptisms on a regular basis? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you know, you know one, of the, one of the people that really greatly inspired my own personal life um, way back in the day was, uh, was well, actually, it was a couple people. Um, one was Keith Green, uh, who probably many don't know about. He was a musician, um, late 70s Christian musician, ended up dying tragically. And then another one was uh, was Pat Boone, which maybe you have heard of, um, Pat Boone. And, uh, and both of them were very devout followers of God and, and all. But the interesting thing was, like, they took this stuff literally in the sense that when when someone would come to faith in Christ, they'd be like, let's go get baptized, right? And and you see that also uh, reflected, let's see, um, in the life of Philip, right? Which, who was who Philip? Philip was one of the um, people designated to serve food and stuff like that, I believe, along with Stephen, when Stephen was... Uh, they were trying to figure out, like, okay, well, we want the disciples to focus on this. I believe this was him. Let me see. Acts 8, 26. So this is kind of skipping ahead of what we're actually reading right now, of course. But uh, Philip is now scattered. He's preaching. And as he's going out there, he sees a treasurer from Ethiopia. And he's riding in a chariot. And he's reading uh, scripture. And so the Holy Spirit inspires him to go and like kind of go beside the chariot or the carriage. And as they are, they're talking and he's, you know, basically just begins preaching with him. And anyhow, what I'm getting to is, is verse 36. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down to the water and Philip baptized him, you know? And, and so it's like, I think to some extent, you know, the baptism, a lot of these things, it's like, it needs to be demystified a little bit. It's like, it's not, it's not me doing it. It's not the water that we use. Like some people will ask, you know, about, about the water, like, well, what, what's special about the water? I'm like, well, you know, what makes 
holy water, right? You should just take regular water and you boil the hell out of it, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, there no. it is. <laughs> there it is. He was waiting to slip that in. Yeah. Um, no, but they're like, well, what's special about the water? I'm like, there's nothing special about the water. Like, there's there's nothing special about anything that we're doing. It, what's what it is is the symbol, right? And so, so it's that public declaration of our faith. And so it's that publicly declaring it. So yeah, I mean, hey, if you get the opportunity to baptize somebody, by all means, baptize them, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know? You have the best dad jokes. (laughs) We should actually sell tickets to the Father's Day uh, (laughs) sermon every year just to hear your dad jokes. Oh, man. Yeah. Starting to prepare already. It's like, uh, what's, uh, what's red but smells like blue paint? What's red but smells like blue paint? Red paint. Uh, Just working on my dad jokes. <laughs> How, like, driving down south, seeing all those billboards, with it being a repeating message to repent. Um, in chapter 3, uh, verse 4, Peter and John looked at him, you know, the beggar who was crippled. Um, I love, I- I'm encouraged by what Peter and John did in verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or, or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. So, like that was the, it was it was worth more than than gold and whatever it is that the the beggar was asking for. He was asking for money, and yeah. he gave him right. he the ability it. to walk. And and what I love about that is not only is Peter, you know, telling, you know, the religious leaders and all these people like what they did was wrong, it was evil. This is what you can do. He didn't stop. Just telling the message of the good God of the good news, he was doing like everything of it, which was even like healing people, making lame men walk, all these things, and he caused it. He started causing a riot, kind of just like how Jesus did, and so it's intriguing to me, like just like that 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 focus, that laser focus that Peter like ended up, you know, beginning to have, like that, like you said, Judah earlier this morning is like the the 180, like he was denying Jesus, telling people that you know. You crucified him, all that stuff. And so so was he, uh, denying him. But look at what Jesus, like, like, look what the Holy Spirit did for me. And this is what the Holy Spirit can do for you, but first. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, to take that one step further, says this lame man was looking at them eagerly. So if God can help one lame man, he can help another lame man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, again, like you said, I mean, it goes from this, this coward to this powerful person and, and the confidence I love in in verse five says the lame man looked at or verse six lame man looked at him eagerly expecting some money but Peter says I don't have any silver or gold for you but I'll give you what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene get up and walk like and, and uh and I, I love the confidence there yeah. because often I think when we pray for people we don't have that same confidence you know we pray for them he didn't even pray for the guy right he just says get up and walk and Peter took the lame man by the hand, helping him up. And as he did, the man's feet and anchors, ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. You know, um, I just think that's uh, pretty astounding. And maybe we don't see the miraculous as much because we don't walk in as much confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we're not doing that, then we're definitely not going to be having it on our radar to be baptizing people. Yeah, once Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, his, uh, his, I think his true inner being came out. So we, we what uh, you had just read uh, about in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, get up and walk. If we, that's in ver, that's chapter 3, uh, verse 5, six, five or 6 there, yeah. 6 in. But if you, we 
go to chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 4, verse 10. Again, this is very important. It, it, it almost is a follow-up to what he said there in the, he, in the name of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 10, chapter 4, Peter's speaking again. Uh, well, just above it, he says, you know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ in Nazarene. Peter and all the apostles, while they were healing, and in this case, Peter doing this, which he attributes and gives credit to where it's due, to Jesus Christ, not to himself. He is just an instrument, as we are on right now. We are the people on earth. We are the Christians. Anything that we do would be just as instruments of God, as instruments of Jesus Christ. And that's important. At least it is yeah. to me. I, 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 I take the focus on it. People say, oh, you did something good for you. You did this. No, uh, <laughs> It's by the power of Jesus Christ that anything is done, that anything good is done by the power of God. Jesus Christ is God. It's by the power of God. And, and he is, again, giving the credit right there to Jesus. Very important. And then, of course, he goes on. The man, they refer to this a lot in, in Acts here, or at least as Luke does. And, and, you know, I just, I ended with, uh, in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, Nazarene. But it goes on, the man you crucified, but who got raised from the dead. Yeah. They do mention or Luke does mention that repeatedly that you crucified this man you crucified this man but my point there was that Peter is emphasizing where his power to heal is coming from and just continuing on you know while, while we're here um, 12 and 13 are just great as well it says there is salvation in no one else God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. I mean, he's he's not he's not, you know, mincing words here at this point. He's like, this is the way. Jesus is the way. And then verse 13 is great because this gives all of us hope. <laughs> yeah. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see what? That they were ordinary men with no, with special, no special training in the scriptures. But they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Right. And, and so there now, now is now is where this drives home for us. And it kind of comes back even full circle to what you were asking about baptism or whatever else right here. It's like like this. This verse is the qualifications. Right. He says they see that they're ordinary men with no special training. However, what was the distinguishing factor? They had been with Jesus. Right. And so us being with Jesus now, we're not physically, but figuratively being in God's word, learning about Jesus through scripture, growing in faith. It's like, hey, it, it doesn't need to be people that are any, you know, have any special training or any special abilities or whatnot. It's just people who've been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and that was the message that they were preaching. It was not like an astounding message. Their their message is repent and be baptized. I mean, it's simple. You know, there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name. I, I like that verse. That verse 12, not only did I highlight it, I bracketed it. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't read it because I was commenting. But now that you mentioned that, there is no salvation. I, I don't know if anybody else had this reference, but and we've read the Minor Prophets. Yeah. Zechariah. This, if you, if you, and I'm not going to ask you to do it right now, but read chapter 14 again, 
verses 1 through 21. I, have it, I happen to have it open here. It, it's, it's the same thing. This, this particular verse references that. Chapter 14, verse 1 through 21. If we reject Christ's sacrifice, there's no other way we can be reconciled to God. There's no other name under heaven by which we are saved. That, that's, that's the context of Zechariah 14, 1 to 21. So when I was reading this and and I got, I got a cross-reference, so let me go back and read that. And, but if you get the chance, do that, too. So yeah. it, it, it is a very powerful verse. I'm glad you mentioned that, Joe. I have it highlighted right from So, oh, yeah, this is good. Yeah, there is salvation in no one else, period. Yeah. Right there. That's yeah. simple. There is no salvation. There is salvation in no one else. That's it. And they were pretty much uh, putting themselves up against the wall in verse 14. But since they could see the man had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. So they ordered that Peter and John, you know, out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. This guy was crippled for 40 years. Right? So it's like, that is huge. That is a major W for like, (laughs) for God right there. Like, And, and, and you know what? And I, I know we're probably gonna we're gonna probably hash over all this stuff again, especially when Johnny gets back in. But it just keeps getting better. Cause what what's the punishment? You remember what the punishment was for for Peter and John? You remember what their punishment was? It says here, verse seventeen. It says, "But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again." So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Jesus, never do this again. How often do you hear this in in context of schools and in politics and in and in jobs and all these things? And 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 I hear people all the time. And, and I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. People say, "Well, I can't talk about this at work. I can't talk about this at school. I can't talk about this oh, here and there and whatever," because they say we can't do this. And and so now they've got the government officials commanding them never speak the name of Jesus again. Most of us would be like, "Okay, you know what? That was a close call." I'm going to back down. Look what, look, look, look at this. Verse 19. I love this. But Peter and John replied. So they're not like going back saying, oh, we're going to show them. No, they're like to their face. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling everyone uh, uh, t- stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council threatened him further, but they finally let him go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. Like, I love that. They're like, never speak this name again. And they're like, screw you. Like, who are you to tell me right. not to tell, talk you, about you, this? You can go. <laughs> what I said before, Judah, what you're alluding to, what's happening today. You know, oh, no, I can't talk about that. It's this secularization, this right. un, unspoken mandates from the government where people think, oh, no, you, you, you can't say that there. So I just do it because anyway, because this is what it's supposed to be. I mean, in the same way, so many times Jesus was going to be like persecuted sooner, right? But that wasn't the day. That wasn't the day for him. There was still work to do. And I feel like this was a similar example of like, there's work to do. Today's not the day. Anyhow, uh, why don't we go ahead and wrap up here? Um, there's there's a, a lot. We kind of jumped around a lot, and uh, I think we're going to probably hit a lot of this stuff uh, a few different times because there's there's a lot. I feel like we've only barely started peeling the onion. Repetition is yeah, good. Yeah, with these things. So so let's pick back up uh, next week as we continue uh, discussing uh, Acts 1 through 7. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a 
rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast.